The New Ghost Stories podcast is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at horrifiedmag. The secret is a perilous thing. We don't conceal information casually. We conceal something because we fear the consequences of it being revealed. It's like carrying a load of dangerous goods. If we're not cautious with our words, we risk harming others. We risk harming ourselves. And yet the urge to speak can be overwhelming. It ought to be the easiest thing in the world to not say something, to stay silent. And yet, secrets have a way of eating away at us. When we say something out loud, we make it more real. Crucial information, essential facts. These are things we want to share with others. But a secret means acting against our instinct to discuss and unburden. The act of speaking gives something a weight and a scale. A burden shared can be a burden halved. When we can't share, we carry the weight alone and it can drag us down. It can grow and distort, take on new shape, grow out of proportion. A secret can seem more dangerous, more urgent. And then it plays on our mind, obsesses our waking hours. The thought of it can beat like a drum. It causes pressure to build and still, we must not speak. What would give us relief is the thing we must not and cannot do. Most secrets are guilty secrets. We keep them for the sake of ourselves, less to protect others but to protect us from what they might think of us if they found out. To reveal a secret is to reveal the truth. And what would they think of us if they knew who we really were and what we'd really done? We don't want to confess, but we still can't help ourselves. More than anything, we want to be understood. We want to be accepted. We want to be forgiven. The risk of confession is enormous, but we're drawn to do it anyway. Because deep down we all have a sense of justice. What we really want, what we really need, is to always get what we deserve. My name is David Paul Nixon, and this is the New Ghost Stories podcast, where we delve into the New Ghost Stories archive to hear witness accounts of the supernatural. Stories that could be delusions, lies, fantasies, or perhaps even the real thing. Just don't make your mind up until you've listened. Getting corroboration for a New Ghost Stories case can be difficult. Hauntings are closely linked to isolation. When seeking ways to confirm or discard a subject's account, I'm normally poring over secondary sources, like documents, or maps, or messages, trying to reconstruct an account from bits and pieces to see whether it could really have happened, and in the way that it is alleged to have happened. It's quite rare to get a case where witnesses are present. Subjects are typically nervous about letting others know their story, When they do suggest witnesses I can speak to for corroboration, it's usually that they know only a small part of what occurred. They're rarely a witness to large parts of the timeline. Case number 71 is unusual in that respect. There are a number of key players who witnessed substantial aspects of events, and they were all very keen to share their stories. This was something they talked about together on a number of occasions. It was not a secret. 
This case touched a number of people's lives. It's something the people involved talked about and discussed and revisited many, many times. There is a drawback to this. Having a group discuss and share a scenario together over and over can risk creating a circle of self-reinforcement, where doubt is gradually pushed away and one version of events becomes accepted. And yet this is also a story that has a great deal of evidence on the record. Crimes were committed here. There is a disappearance, a murder, and two acts of shocking violence that indisputably occurred. What happens at the end really did happen. The mystery is all the strange, unexplained pieces that lie in between. Which parts are facts and which parts may be fiction? Did the supernatural really play a part? Or is there part of this story which is yet to be told, and which we may never know? It's once again time to listen and make up your own mind. Here is New Ghost Stories, case number 71, and it's called Blind. The following story has been shared under an agreement that respects the right of the subject to remain anonymous. Certain names, dates and locations have been changed to protect that anonymity. Events that feature in this story may be part of the public record. If you believe you recognise any of the places, people or events that feature in this story, I ask that you not reveal any knowledge or information publicly out of respect for the subject's right to remain anonymous. Just to let you know, the narrator for this story is female. Me and Kayla practically grew up together. We went to high school together. Both native Aussies in a strange and bloody cold land. She's one of the nicest people you can ever meet, Kayla. Seriously, she's so nice. Too nice. That's why she was such an easy target. I didn't know Richard before I went travelling. I met him once or twice when I'd gone to see Kayla at work, and he seemed okay. Not bad-looking, friendly. It was only after I went away that I started to hear stories. Shyla hated him and didn't mind saying it. The rest of the gang didn't like him either. But Kayla never said anything bad, never said anything was wrong when she emailed or Skyped. Although she's like that, she probably wouldn't. And when I got off the plane and I was over an hour waiting at stupid Heathrow passport control, he seemed fine about it. He was chatting with me, asking me about the flight, my trip and what my plans were. He seemed fine. But I did notice Kayla was looking a bit stressed and a bit pale. Thin too. But she's always been skinny. Lucky cow. They said they'd had a crisis at home, that their boiler had started to leak and there was a bit of damage. So I thought that was why she was probably rattled. And in the car on the way back to theirs, or should I say his, there was a little bit of tension between them. Stuff about shopping and who agreed to do what, where and when. You know, normal couple stuff. Me and my boyfriend, we do the same. Shiloh and Emily made it sound like I was entering a bloody tiger's cage when I told them I was going to stay with them. But at the time I thought they must have been seriously overreacting. Which shows how much I know. I had dinner with the two of them. He did the cooking. That was fine, although I couldn't have a shower because there was no hot water, which was a pain. Then we went out in the evening to get together with the whole gang, just like old times. He came along, which I thought was a bit weird. I thought it was going to be a girls' night out. He was the only guy there. And of course it was all girl talk. He kept trying to butt in, like take over the conversation. We'd be talking about one thing and then suddenly he'd start talking about something he was doing, 
trying to find the most tenuous link to what we were talking about. But he couldn't keep control of what was going on that way. So when that failed, he took the first chance to move into Kayla's seat when she went to the John. So when she came back, he could cut her off and just talk to her. She was sat on the end, so she had to talk over him if she wanted to talk to the rest of us. I don't know how much of this I noticed at the time. I still thought he was okay. It was when I went out for a cigarette with Shyla that she started to tell me stories. She told me he hardly ever let her come out, and almost never on her own. He always insisted on tagging along. And she came out less and less because he only wanted to do things he wanted to do, and if he didn't get his way when they were out, he'd be a pain in the ass and snap at her. And sometimes the other girls too if he didn't like what was going on. They hadn't actually seen Kayla in ages. A few months ago they got her to come out by herself, and they decided they were going to make sure she had a good time. He was texting her all night, so she was always on her phone. But they got her drunk so she stopped answering. They stayed out really late and Emily missed her last train, so Kayla said she could stay at Richard's place. It was Richard's home, never their home. So when she got there, Richard is still awake and he's absolutely livid. Why didn't she call? Anything could have happened to her. He doesn't trust her friends to look after her. He's worried sick. Emily's a bit of a shrinking violet too, but even she had a massive go at Richard for being so bad to Kayla. He was really vile to her, made her cry, spoke to her like she was a child. This was the first time she'd gone out with them since, and that was months ago. I mean, I still thought he seemed okay, but he soon showed his real colours. When I got back inside, I heard him ask Kayla how long they were going to stay out. I heard Kayla say she wasn't sure. When I sat down, I watched him at the bar for a while, and he seemed to be getting a bit annoyed with her. This was the first time I sat down with my friends for a year and a half. I really wanted to have a proper night out. But suddenly Kayla says they're going to leave at half ten. I mean, seriously, half ten? That's not a night out. That's like when you're grounded. Kayla said Richard had to be up early. I asked her why she couldn't stay out, and she said she should go back with Richard so she wouldn't wake him later. And of course, she didn't say it out loud exactly, but it was implied that I should go back with them too. So at 10.30 on the dot, he was gathering up his coat and waiting for her and me. And when we were saying our goodbyes and I was talking to the guys and making plans to catch up with them, and this went on for a few minutes, Richard just stood in the doorway waiting. And then, while I was still saying goodbyes, I saw a look back at him. He made this face at her, saying like, What the fuck? So that was supposed to be her signal to get going, and she goes after him and he slams his way through the pub door. And doesn't even say goodbye to the girls. So we're walking back to his and he's marching off and it's cold. I said we should get a taxi, but he just ignores me. I've been getting tanned on the other side of the planet. I'm freezing my arse off. I was dragging behind them, letting them argue and staying out of it. You know I've got work tomorrow, he snapped. I'm sorry, we were just saying goodbye. Taking as long as you could about it. I couldn't just walk off without saying goodbye. I'm already stressed with this leak stuff on top of all the shit at work. I don't need this. We were just talking. We've not been together in ages and Annie's just got back. But she can talk to them any time she likes now. Perhaps they can take her out to get hammered too. I was only walking three or four steps behind them and they were talking like I wasn't even there. I had to bite my tongue. 
They get pretty gobby after a few, but I didn't want to get stuck in the middle of that. When we got back, he went to bed quickly and quietly. Didn't even say goodnight. I asked Kayla, is he all right? He's just in a mood because of work, she said. I found out later there was a job opening for a deputy manager at the branch of B&Q where he worked. But he had issues with some of the other guys there, so he was stressing out about whether they'd have it in for him. She was always making excuses for him. The next morning I was feeling pretty drowsy, a mix of the alcohol and the jet lag. Kayla was really sweet, she made me breakfast. She seemed so much more relaxed now that he wasn't there. While she was in the kitchen, I got a really good look around their place. It was a two-bedroom bungalow, and I started thinking to myself, this place couldn't be any less like Kayla. You know, I grew up with that girl. She was an artist, a really creative person, and not a tidy person at all. She used to be the most untidy, disorganised and lost-in-her-head girl that I knew. For this place, it looked like it had come out of an Ikea showroom. It was just so ordinary. Kind of boring, sterile. Yeah, that's the word. Sterile. It just didn't feel like Kayla at all. Emily told me that Richard made her pay rent for the place. It was his home and not hers. Even though they shared it together, he'd inherited it from his aunt, so it wasn't like he was paying off a mortgage. But he still made her pay to stay there. Seriously unbelievable. He'd actually set us a job to do that day. The plumber was coming over to fix the leak in the boiler, so we had to clear the attic out so he could get up there. I mean, I suppose that wasn't such a big deal. It was all the usual crap up there. He hadn't cleared it out since his aunt had lived there, so there was some seriously dusty old stuff to get rid of. I was dragging stuff to the hatch and Kayla was carrying it down the ladder. It was just old junk. Broken furniture, old wallpaper rolls and mouldy duvets. Underneath it all, though, was this box. It was taped up so I had to use some scissors to get into it. I got a surprise when I opened it up. There was a head in there. Not a real head, obviously. It was a bust, a phrenology head. You know, that dumb old science about different bumps on your head meaning something about who you are and why you behave the way you behave. I had a quick look at it and wonder whether Richard had a big bump on the section of his head marked Dick. Kayla came up and looked at it. She said her dad used to have one of these, and that's when I realised where I'd seen one before. There was one at her folks' house growing up, I remembered it. It was her dad's and she'd said he'd taken it back to Oz when her folks split up. But he died a few years ago, so she never learnt what happened to it after that. We started searching through the box. It was mostly full of old paperbacks and cookbooks, but there was a photo album at the bottom. It was half full with old family photos. Kayla figured it must have belonged to Richard's aunt. But she was surprised because there were family photos in there, and as far as she knew, Richard's aunt had died alone, because otherwise, why would the house get passed down to him? But this was a young family. Cute new family. Mum, dad, and a little blonde girl. Really pretty, really smiley. There were tons of pictures of her playing, right from being a baby to building sandcastles as a toddler, right up to her going to school. It must be from his aunt. Look, that's Richard there. Kayla pointed him out to me. There was a photo of a birthday party with a little girl sitting, waiting to blow the candles out on a cake. The boy sat next to her was obviously Richard. 
you could easily recognise the scowl. He's never mentioned having a cousin to me before, she said slowly. And it turned out there was a good reason why. We finished clearing the stuff out and squeezed as much as possible into the bin, but kept the books and the album and the head. Kayla liked the head. It reminded her of her father, and it was a bit cool. She wanted to keep it, and I said she should. It was as if she never even thought that she could just have it in the house, that she'd have to get permission. Go quite nice there, wouldn't it? I said, pointing to this little table with just the telephone and nothing else on it except a notepad. Kayla went and put it there. She wasn't sure, but she looked at it and said, Yeah, it does look nice. A little act of defiance. There was hope for the girl yet. We had a nice chat in the afternoon, had a goss about friends and talked about what my plans were for the future. Everything was really nice until the plumber found a second leak and said he was going to have to call someone to bring him some parts or something. He said he'd still get it done that day, but it was going to cost more. From that point on, Kayla was all nervous and stressed. She said she was worried about the cost, but what she was really worried about was Richard's reaction. I tried to tell her it would be okay, but she was all on edge for the rest of the day. Shyla had a spare room she was already renting, but she said her tenant might be moving soon. I was hoping they would. This was already such a tense place. It had such a bad atmosphere. Poor Kayla. I don't know how she could stand it. He came home around seven. I was prepared for a scene, and was anxious too when he came in through the door. He shouted that he was home. He walked into the living room, and then he froze, solid. He was staring at the head, right at it, not moving at all. His mouth was hung open. He was literally frozen in his tracks. Hey, said Kayla, coming from the kitchen. He didn't say anything for a moment. Then he said, Where did you get that from? We found it in the attic, I said. It was in a box of your aunt's stuff. He still didn't seem to know what to say. Don't you like it? I asked. He said after a moment, It just surprised me, that's all. That seemed to leave him pretty subdued. Even when Kayla told him about how much the repairs were going to cost, he didn't seem to take it very badly. She still had to pay half, though. He was really distracted. He definitely didn't like the head. He let me and Kay talk at dinner without saying much, until he said, I'm not sure the head goes there in the living room. I like it, I said quickly. He stared at me really sharply, like I'd just trod on his toe. But he didn't snap at me. He wasn't going to bully a stranger. It was just okay to bully his girlfriend. I think it looks nice there on the table, said Kayla. Brings character to the room. Good place to rest your hats, I joked. What I'm saying is I'm not sure I like it. Why not? He took a moment to answer and said, I don't like the way it stares. Both me and Kayla laughed at that, and that didn't go down well with him. He spent the rest of the meal scowling and sulking. I made sure the conversation kept going. I wasn't going to let him spoil our evening. We watched a movie that night. Can't remember what it was, but I kept seeing him looking across at the head, which was close to where I was sitting. I thought at first he was staring at me, which made me feel pretty uncomfortable. I didn't like the idea of him eyeing me up. When we went to bed, I overheard him asking Kayla whether I'd started looking for work yet. And I just got there, for Christ's sake. 
and already he was asking for rent, or more likely how long he'd have to put up with me. Problem was that the next day Kayla was at work. Kayla was a legal secretary. I still don't know how she got into that. But she was doing really well. She's so smart, she's pretty good at anything she turns her hand to. But it was his day off, so I was stuck at home with him. He was polite, I suppose. But he wasn't going to spend his day with me. It was up to me what I was doing. He was going to do his own thing. I found out later that he had his job application to do. I mean, if he just said he needed peace and quiet, he could have just said that. But he didn't. He just kind of ignored me. I was sat with him all day without much to do. So I did actually start to look at jobs and stuff. I wasn't planning to do that yet. I was going to be really bored otherwise. He'd camped out in the living room, so it wasn't like I could watch the TV or anything. It was pretty awkward. I thought about going for a walk or heading into town just to get away. I texted a couple of friends, but they were all at work. We got to lunchtime and he must have decided to have a break because suddenly from nowhere he said he was going to make a sandwich and asked if I wanted one. I was like, okay, sure. I wasn't expecting him to be nice. He made us both a BLT and suddenly we were talking and having a chat. He was asking me about my travels, about the places I visited. We were having a proper conversation. He was a human being again. I remember he told me this really funny story about eating in this hotel in India. He was being served by this guy who looked just like Christopher Lee, but more Indian. But he'd already got the deli belly, so his stomach was already turning over. So whenever he ate something, it sounded like a bathtub emptying. This guy thought it was something I'd maybe eaten at his place. And he was really scared because my stomach was rumbling so loud, people at the next table could hear it. So he was afraid that other people would be afraid to eat there. So he was like, I'm so sorry, are you okay? But he also wanted us out really quickly. So the second we finished, he had the dishes away and said, No, 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 it's on the house. I can see you are a little sick, it's no problem. And this guy looks just like Christopher Lee, so he looks really intense and scary. So we weren't going to argue. But we still left a tip, you know, just to be nice. He was really funny. I suppose I could see why Kayla would fall for him. When he was being nice, he was charming. And he was good looking, you know, kind of fit, basically. We kept on talking and I started to talk about my brother who was thinking about travelling to America. But he was having visa issues. While we were talking about siblings, I suddenly thought about the mysterious photo album from yesterday. Did Kayla show you the photo album we found in the attic? It was like somebody had thrown a switch in him. Within a flash, he was all different. Uncomfortable, irritated, offish. Yeah, she did, he said, shuffling in his seat and looking away from me. Was that your aunt's family? What there was of it, yeah. Did something bad happen to them? I could see he was upset, so I tried to be sympathetic. They died. Well, Sophie was drowned in the bathtub, probably by Uncle Bob. God, I said. My aunt came round and found the house smashed up and Sophie face down, floating in the tub. Bob disappeared at the same time. No one ever saw him again after that day. Holy shit! She was disabled, blind. He wanted rid of her and just drowned her. No one knows why. I heard he was planning on leaving auntie for another woman, but I don't know. Why not just go? Why do that to Sophie? She was just a kid. God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, he mumbled. He took our plates out and then I lost him for the rest of the afternoon. 
He went back to working on his application and didn't say a word. I was helping Kayla do the washing up later and was asking her about it. Did you know? I asked her. No, he never said before. No wonder, it's really horrible. He wasn't very old at the time. He doesn't remember that much. He doesn't hear much from that side of his family very often. Not these days, anyway. Do you think that's why he didn't like the head? Stirred up some bad memories for him? Maybe. I don't know what goes on in his head. Neither of us said anything for, like, a few seconds. Then I said, he gets a bit intense, doesn't he? Sometimes, Kayla said. It all went a bit quiet again after that. I think it all might be a bit much for me, I said slowly. I watched Kayla as I said it, but she didn't say anything back. She just kept on washing up as if I'd said nothing. If it was me, I think that something slammed down on the draining board. It made me jump bad. Richard had brought a dirty mug into the kitchen and snuck up behind me without me noticing. Having a good chat, are you? he hissed. He turned around and went straight out. Kayla rolled her eyes and sighed before going after him. I just stood there thinking, fuck. We ate dinner in dead silence that evening. Yes, we were talking about him, and I get that no one likes to hear people saying bad shit about them. But it's not like I was saying much. I didn't really say anything too bad, I just said he was a bit intense. But he just flew off the handle, and he did this all the time. Just flew off the handle about absolutely anything. I tried making conversation that night, I really tried to change the atmosphere. Kayla would answer me, but the conversation would never get very far, because he just said nothing, not a word. I got out of there and went straight to my room that night. As soon as I was gone, they started rowing. I thought, fuck, what am I going to do? This was turning into a nightmare. This prick had me on edge now. He was pretty scary when he went off on one. He was a big guy and he would go insane. I'd just have to try and get out of there as soon as I could. Find myself a new place, get a job. The sooner the better. I was hoping to relax for a bit first, but it wasn't like I was going to relax much in this place. How could Kayla put up with it? But things started to get really weird. I sort of fell asleep early while I was reading. I woke up quite late and had to go to the toilet. And when I left the room, I got such a fright. Richard was just standing there in the hall, in the dark. He was looking into the living room. He was looking right at the head, staring at it. He didn't even notice I was there, not at first. After staring at him for a few seconds, I just said, Are you alright? He didn't even answer me. He just turned around and went back into his bedroom. A fucking sleepwalker too. Just when I thought I couldn't have liked him less. I had lunch with Shyla the next day. Gave her an update on all the dramatics. She couldn't wait to have a bitch about Richard. She told me he checked Kayla's emails and phone messages all the time, so they had to be really careful what they said in them. He's never been violent, has he? I asked. There was this one time when I called round for Kayla and she had a black eye. Holy shit! Kayla swore that she fell off her bike and hit herself on a fence post. I don't know if I believe her, but Mo, that's Shyla's husband, he was threatening to go over there and hit him. It's never happened since, so maybe she did just have an accident with her bike. She said I could stay on her sofa if her tenant wasn't going to leave. I said I might take her up on the offer. I told her all about the head and the photos and Richard's missing uncle and dead cousin. 
Shyla said being a prick must run in the family. That did make me laugh. I spent the evening having a long Skype conversation with my mum and only had a sandwich for tea, so I didn't really talk to either of them. But that next night I heard him whispering. The living room is right next to the room I was sleeping in, and I could hear his voice. I thought maybe he was talking to Kayla, but it was late. I didn't know why he would be whispering to her in the living room. I couldn't really hear what he was saying. He was just kind of muttering. But he started to get louder. Then I'm sure he said, Just leave me alone! And then I heard his bedroom door close pretty hard. Not slammed, but you know, you could tell he wasn't happy about something. I could barely sleep that night. I thought, fuck, this guy is really off his head. I was spending time with Kayla the next day and thought I had to ask her about this. So I said to her, does he sleepwalk a lot? But she didn't know what I was talking about. I said I'd heard him wandering and talking in the night, but she didn't know anything about it. Things were quiet between us when she said, Richard was asking me again about how long you were thinking of staying. I noticed the use of the word again, not that she'd ever brought it up with me but obviously it had been mentioned a few times between them. She was really awkward the way she said it, but it got my back up right away because she was doing his dirty work. At this point, I'd really just had enough of this prick. I hadn't thought about it. Richard just wanted to know that's all. Getting in the way, am I? I said bitterly. I shouldn't have had a go at Caleb, but I'd had enough of this. No, it's not that. He just wants to know. He did say I could stay as long as I wanted to. I think he just wants to know what your plans are. But he couldn't ask me himself. He had to get you to do it. What's wrong with you? I'm just asking. Why'd you put up with this shit from him? I just lost it. Why'd you let him treat you like this? She was shocked for a second. Then I saw her start to cry and I was so sorry straight away. She just got up and ran into the bedroom. I thought, fuck. I decided to wait a couple of minutes before going in after her. She was in there, head down on the bed, still shaking and crying. I said to her, Kay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to have a go. She didn't say anything for a minute, but then she said, He didn't used to be like this. I sat on the bed and I hugged her, let her cry out a bit longer. He used to be really sweet. He still is, sometimes. He can still be sweet, sometimes, I said. Couldn't stand his guts. I couldn't just say I hated him. But he gets so stressed out. It's because of his work. But that's no excuse for taking it out on you. He doesn't mean to. He does say sorry when he's done it. Sweetie, that's no excuse. She cried a little longer. You can't let him do this to you. Look what a state he's got you in. But I love him. I really love him and care about him. I know, sweetie, I said, thinking she'd lost her mind. He's all I've got. Now that's bullshit. I don't have anything else. I don't have anyone else. That's crap. You're smart, beautiful, an amazing person, Kay. Anyone would be lucky to have you. And you don't deserve this. Look at me. You do not deserve this. Her phone rang. It was his ringtone. She got up in a flash and went to answer. Turned out she was supposed to pick him up from work, but she forgot. I tried to keep her talking, but she'd been summoned. I said she wasn't in the right state to drive and she shouldn't be getting up at his beck and call. But she suddenly turns on me, seriously, and gets angry with me. You're just like the others. You all hate him. I don't know why. I don't know why you can't leave him alone. It only makes him worse. Kayla, he treats you like shit. 
I can't take this now. Just leave me alone. And then she just left. She's still crying. She still has snot coming out of her nose. But she went because his highness demanded it. She was gone ages, which was fine with me. I wandered around the house getting angrier and angrier. What kind of fucked up mental gymnastics was this guy pulling on her? Why didn't she get it? I hadn't even mentioned to her about the head, about him talking to it. I looked at it on the little table. It had a tea towel over it for some reason. I took it off. It was there with its blank, peaceful stare. As I looked at it, I wondered if it knew something I didn't. Richard had some problem with it. That's probably how the tea towel ended up on there. He didn't like it being there, and looking at him, I thought about leaving it in his bed. Probably wouldn't help anything, but it would sure shit him up a lot, and make me smile. She was away so long it got me worrying. He obviously had her wrapped around his little finger. He was probably with her now, talking her out of it, making excuses, telling her that he loved her and needed her, and that it was all a slot trying to tear them apart. I holed up in my bedroom until they got back later. She'd taken over two hours to pick him up. I didn't say anything when they got back, and they didn't say anything to me either. No hello or hi or anything. I didn't know when to go out of my room. I didn't want to go out and catch them. It was dead silent for hours. I didn't hear anything. I was so tense, I was so uncomfortable. I waited in that room for so long, but eventually, I just had to take a piss. So I went out, and I went to the bathroom, and then I thought about getting some food. I walked into the kitchen without knowing he was there. Hey, he said, finishing some washing up. Hi, I answered. He seemed okay, not angry, kind of normal. I didn't know if you needed dinner, so I made you a sandwich. Okay, thank you, I said, as if he was setting a trap. But it looked fine. If he'd poisoned me, I couldn't tell. You're working tonight? Uh, yeah, I said made up some bullshit about applying for a bar job. He said that was good and left me to it. I stayed in my room watching episodes of Entourage on my tablet. Then quite late in the evening there's a knock on my door and it's Kayla. She comes in and says, Look, me and Richard have been talking, and we think it's best if you try and find your own place sooner rather than later. Okay, I say. It's all a bit stressed right now and we're all getting in each other's hair and we think it'll just be better for us all if we just all have a bit more space. Stressful time, Kayla, he's applying for a job. Normal people have shit happen at work all the time. I know you don't like him, and that's fine. He's having some issues right now. That's why it's better if you move on as soon as possible, so we can all stay friends and get on, okay? I didn't even know what to say. I just said, fine, Kay, whatever you want. She said sorry and waited there for me to say something else, but I just put my headphones in and kept watching my tablet. I text Shyla a few minutes later saying I might need a sofa after all. All my other friends didn't have their own places, so a sofa was the best I was going to get. I fell asleep watching more TV and woke up after a few hours when the battery ran down. I start to get ready for bed when I hear the whispering again. Richard's back talking to the head in the living room. I wonder if I can record it, but I'm not sure I've left my phone, and I don't want to make noise searching for it. I creep up to the door and open it just a little. He's whispering, but I can hear him. He's talking to the head. And he's saying stuff like, I could have got really angry, but I didn't. Then he waits a moment and says, I tried really hard. I didn't get angry at all like I promised. Not today, I was good. I was good. 
Another moment goes by and he says, It was really hard. It was, but I didn't get angry. I promise I'd try harder and I did try harder. You've got to stop going on at me. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. They're having a conversation. The head is talking to him. Or he thinks the head's talking to him. At this point, I just thought he was crazy. It'll be easier when she's gone, much easier. That was the best thing to do, just ask her to go. Best thing for everyone. You don't have to keep on at me, I told you I'm trying. Yes, I did promise. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice from now on. Now will you leave me alone? A few seconds later, he gets up and goes quietly back to his bedroom. I sat by my door for ages before I dared to sneak out. I crept into the hallway and looked into the living room. The head was staring right back at me. It was just the same, no different than before. But now when I looked at its blank stare, it seemed smug, pleased with itself. I started not to like it. It hadn't changed. It was just so blank. You could read anything in its expression. It was creepy. What the fuck was going on with Richard? What was I supposed to do about it? If Kayla couldn't see what he was like, how was I supposed to show her? And how was I supposed to tell her about this? She'd think I was the one who was crazy. Then that next day, Jesus, that's when it totally went to shit. I got up late and overslept. I had no idea that Richard's mum was over. Christ, that made a lot of sense of things. She was a total bitch. I came out of my room in just my nightie and she's standing in the hall. She was dressed all in black and peered down her glasses at me, as if I was someone who'd just brought her coffee when she'd asked for tea. You must be Annie. Uh, yeah, I said back to her. I went straight into the bathroom and swore at those two for not even telling me. I washed and then planned to go back and hide in my room. But just as I was walking into the hallway, I heard her say, Where did you find this old thing? She was talking about the head. I glimpsed her lifting a scarf off the top of it. I wanted to hear this, so I went back into my room and really quickly put some clothes on and got back out there. They'd stopped by then, of course. She was asking Kayla about her job while Richard was sulking in the corner with his laptop. Richard resented that Kayla was doing her law thing while he was working for a DIY store. That was just his part-time job at university, but now he did it full-time while Kayla had moved on to bigger and better things. Kayla went off to get us some coffee and Richard's mum, Margot, started talking to me. So you've been travelling? I began to tell her about all the places I'd visited. She'd been to many of them herself and wasn't short on opinions about where she liked and where she didn't. She liked Germany, couldn't stand the Italians and thought Brussels was the most boring place on earth. Something we both could agree on. So what are you going to do now? she asked. I noticed Richard glance up from his laptop. Oh, I'm, I'm not really sure. I might go back to uni and do my MA. Might just do some part-time work. I haven't really made my mind up. Well, Richard could always get you a little job at his DIY shop, couldn't you, Richard? Richard pretended not to hear her. Kay tells me you've applied to be the manager there. Assistant manager, he said with hostility. Well, if it's what you want, dear. Kayla came back with the coffee and it was all dead silent again. So I had to say something to break through the tension and I saw the head, looked at Richard to check he had no offensive weapons he could throw at me, and said, You remembered the head, then? Me and Kayla found it in the attic. Richard's eyes darted upwards. Yes, I haven't seen that thing in years. Belonged to my sister. Never liked it myself. 
Did Kayla show you the photo album? I could feel Richard twitch on the other side of the room, but I had to know what this was all about, and it definitely had something to do with his dead cousin. Margot took the photo album and stared at it. My goodness, there we all are, she said, flicking through them. I haven't seen these in years. I didn't know there were any other photographs. Felicity stopped taking them after the accident. Oh, my little Sophie, she was so beautiful, wasn't she, Richard? He said nothing. She really was the most beautiful little girl. Photographers loved her. They loved to take her picture. She was in magazines. She earned Felicity and Bob quite a bit of money before. She closed the photo album. Such a tragedy. Richard got up and left the room in one of his huffs. He still doesn't like to talk about it, she said in a hushed tone. He was there. He saw it all. What happened? Finally, I was getting somewhere. They were playing hide-and-seek, Richard and her and one of Bob's little nephews. What was his name, Richard, your second cousin? No answer came from the hall, so she just went on. Well, little Sophie, she tried to squeeze herself down behind the toilet. Goodness knows how she thought she'd fit. In fact, she didn't. She got herself stuck. But Felicity, she had been cleaning the toilet that day, and she had left the bleach on the shelf above the sink and as she was wriggling about, it fell over and the cap wasn't on properly, and the bleach, it poured straight down on her eyes and over her face, and she couldn't move when it landed all over her. Poor thing started to scream, and Richard found her, and we struggled to get her out and to wipe it all off. Well, you've seen the bathroom, and you can see how little space there is between the sink and the toilet. The damage was done. She lost most of her vision. She could hardly see. And it scarred her face and it was it was horrible, the poor, poor thing. Richard came back in and threw himself back into his armchair. He didn't look at us. He just looked out the window. Felicity was distraught and so was I. But the worst thing was that she actually blamed Richard. She said it was Richard that poured the bleach on her. Well, can you imagine? And you know what? I could. I tried to not look over at him. I did try to look at Kayla see what her reaction was, but I couldn't tell what she was thinking. Did she know already? But Richard was hiding in the bedroom at the time. He was the one who found her first. It might have been worse if he hadn't found her. Do we have to talk about this? Richard snapped. Aren't we supposed to be going for lunch? It wasn't your fault, dear. Margot was completely oblivious to his moods. She's probably used to ignoring them. It was Felicity's fault. She should have been more careful. You can't leave things like that lying around with children in the home. Of course, the things were never the same with me and Felicity after that. I tried to forgive her for blaming Richard. Tried to talk to her many times. Especially after that animal Bob went berserk and killed her. Drowned poor Sophie. I told her she should never have married him. But she never did listen. You'd think after she'd lost everything she'd want to get help from her sister. But that was always Felicity. Headstrong and stubborn. Why did he do it? I asked. Why would he kill her? Sophie had so many emotional problems afterwards and he just couldn't take it. The poor girl was distraught and he was weak and stupid and he just couldn't handle it. We're going to lose our table if we don't leave soon, Richard snapped. Of course, dear. She got up and went to fetch her handbag. I was so shocked. Here was this totally fucked up story. And here was this woman talking about it, like it was something she'd seen on the TV. 
You wouldn't have known she was talking about her own sister and brother-in-law and niece who got murdered. She was so matter-of-fact it was sick. Honestly, Richard, she said, you're telling me to get a move on and you're not even ready. Richard was searching for his shoes and Kayla was after her coat. Are you coming with us, Annie? You could have heard a pin drop at that moment. Me, Richard, Kayla, we all looked at each other. It was so awkward. I didn't want to go, God no, wild dogs couldn't have dragged me. I think Annie's busy today, aren't you? said Richard, dropping his hint. I thought you said you had nothing to do, Margot said. And it was true. And I told her without realising she'd used it against me. Well, not much. I was going to say I needed to look for jobs. But she cut in too quick and said, I'm paying, you don't need to worry about the money, and the food is very good. And she went out of the room and I just didn't know what to say or how to refuse. I just ended up saying, I'll need a moment to get ready. It was horrible. The whole thing was just horrible. And I was sat next to Richard, and I just daren't look over at him for the whole lunch. Who was this guy? Did he burn out his own cousin's eyes with bleach? Could that be who this guy was? Could he be that much of a monster? If Kayla was thinking what I was thinking, she didn't let it show. He must have hit her that one time, I was sure of it now. The whole lunch just got worse and worse. Margot was talking to Kayla about her job. She spent the whole time just going on and on about it. She was doing it to get under Richard's skin. It was so obvious to rub it in. Her precious boy was too good to be working for B&Q. I bet she was the kind of woman who never let anything shift a stiff upper lip. She knew what she was doing to him. Just tweaking him for not having such a good job. And then he got brought the wrong main course. I thought he was going to explode, but his mother told him not to make a fuss when he snapped at the waiter. I wish I knew how to take the wind out of his sails like that. He sat there like a pressure cooker, his eyes open wide like a bull about to charge. I kept having to go to the toilet just to get away from them, to take a breather, just to try and calm myself down. It was a nightmare. Like waiting for a bomb to go off. I could feel the tension from my teeth down to my toes. I didn't know what Kayla must have been thinking. It seemed to drag on forever. Margot ignoring the foul atmosphere, as if she didn't know it was there. She just talked and talked and talked. She drove us all back to the house, everything quiet unless she was talking. And when we got back, we walked inside in silence, Richard leading the pack. And then as soon as the front door closed, he was up in arms. Well, that was fucking nice, wasn't it? You enjoy that, did you? Talking about your job, how wonderful it is, how great your fucking job is. She was just asking me, Richard. And you couldn't wait to rub it in. You loved it. You need to calm down, I interrupted. I could feel my heart beat as I said it. After what I'd heard today, I didn't know what this guy was capable of. Why are you still here? At least I have a job. No one here cares about your fucking job. Oh, fuck off. Who even asked you? If you want to get another job, get one. How many times have we got to have this argument? Kayla started to cry. Oh, she goes first. What have I got to do with anything? I shouted. I can't take it. All you fucking women always fucking having a go, always on my back. Why can't you leave me alone? He turned around to storm into the living room. And there it was. 
the head staring right at him. And I've had a fucking enough of you too! He went for the head. He picked it up and spun around to smash it against the wall. Richard, don't! Kayla came up behind him. He swung the head around and hit her in the face with it. It made a horrible thud sound. Kayla fell down hard. The head landed miraculously without breaking. It was all silent for a minute. No one could quite believe what had just happened. I stared at Richard. Richard stared at Kayla. Kayla was there on her knees, clutching the side of her head. He hadn't meant to hit her, not that time at least. But he didn't say, are you all right, or I'm so sorry. No. What he said was unforgivable. Don't look at me like that. Serves you right for getting in my way like you always do. Kayla was shaking. She was terrified. You get the hell away from her. He wasn't getting away with this no fucking way. I told you to get out. He came towards me. Don't you dare fucking touch me, I shouted, backing off. Get the fuck out of my house. Not without Kayla. She's coming with me. Fine, both of you. Fuck off. I don't need you. I don't want you. All you do is fuck me around. Kayla was shell-shocked. She couldn't believe it. I helped her off the floor. We didn't stop for anything. I just took her straight out of there, left all my things behind. I only took one thing, and I don't even remember taking it. As I practically pulled Kayla out of there at some point, and I don't even know when, I picked up the head. I found that I had it under my arm as we walked to Shyla's, squeezing its neck under my shoulder. Kayla kept breaking into tears. At one point she tried to go back to him. I told her she was out of her mind and made her come with me. I managed to drag her to Shyla's. I managed to call her and Mo before we got there. I was just glad to give her to someone else. I hate to say it, but I wanted to slap that girl. What was wrong with her? She wanted to go back to him. Said he needed her. That we didn't understand him like she did. I told her I fucking understood him all too well. That she was the one who ought to get her head straight. Shyla glared at me, which really got at me. She hated him more than I did. But she said later I was coming on too strong. This guy just smacked a porcelain head against her face. And she thought I was coming on too strong. Part of Kayla knew we were right. Somewhere in her head she knew she couldn't go on like this. That he'd no right to do these things to her. Me and Shyla went into the kitchen to strategize and said that we just had to keep them apart. If we could keep them separated then maybe we could get through to her. And get her to end it. We did a lousy job. Part way into the afternoon Kayla went up to the toilet and she was gone for ages. It was a while before me and Shyla realized that she had her mobile with her. She'd locked herself into the bathroom and she was talking with him on the phone. I could barely tell what she was saying, she was crying so hard. We banged on the door but she ignored us. Her voice started to get louder, she was getting hysterical. She was apologising for something, but also saying it wasn't her fault, asking him why he was being like this to her. She just wanted to help him, all that kind of shit. The phone call stopped and she was crying for ages. Shyla kept banging on the door. She was starting to worry she might hurt herself. I thought that was a bit much at first, but she started to get me worried too. When Shyla threatened to get Mo to kick the door in, she eventually opened up and came out. Richard hadn't got the job at B&Q. They called him that afternoon. Apparently that was her fault too, because she'd invited me over and I'd ruined it for him. 
That's such bullshit, I shouted. Leave him alone. He really wanted that job. If you weren't here, none of this would have happened. Because of me. Completely lost patience with that girl. You're as crazy as he is. Do you know what he does when you're not there? When he thinks you're not looking? Not now, snapped Shyla. What does he do? Kayla asked. I didn't say it. Me and Shyla had agreed that I wasn't going to talk about the head and what I'd heard him say to it. She wouldn't believe me anyway. And she wasn't in the right state of mind to hear it. Shyla was annoyed with me too now. She took Kayla into her room. I went back downstairs to try and calm down. And guess what was waiting for me? I got into the living room and it was there, staring right at me again. Well, what do you think we should do? I said to the head, wondering if it had talked back to me. This is your fault too. Both of us. We totally ruined his life, stopped him from getting his dream job. The head decided not to confide in me. I pointed it to face the wall because I was starting to not like the way it looked at me either. That was one long evening. Shiloh was with Kayla for hours, and Mo was off on his evening shift, so I was just hanging around in someone else's house again. I asked Shiloh when she went to get a drink if she wanted me to take over. She said it was best to let her handle it. I wasn't sure if that was because Kayla hated me right now, or whether it was because of my temper. I just let her go. I was worried about Kay, but honestly, I didn't really want to spend the evening with her crying on my shoulder. It was dark by the time Shiloh came down and said Kayla was in bed sleeping, exhausted emotionally. We had a few drinks, but neither of us felt much like talking. We couldn't let her go back to him. We had to keep them apart. We made a pact to go to Richard's tomorrow. All my stuff was there, Kayla's too. We were going to go without her. Leave without telling her if we had to. I agreed. We watched a bit of television and then all went to bed. I slept on the sofa in a sleeping bag. I didn't sleep well. All night I felt freezing. It was spring so the weather was okay, it was warm in the house. But I was freezing. Even in the sleeping bag all night, I remember being absolutely freezing. I dreamt I was outdoors. I was walking through the woods. Did I know this place? I did, but I couldn't quite remember. It was a beautiful sunny day, which made no sense because I was so cold. I finally worked out where I was. I didn't know Shiloh's part of town well, but I'd been on walks there before. It was quiet, there was no one around. I was in a forest, walking along a path. I was barefoot. I came out of the woods and found myself by a river. It was wide, with a little island in the middle. You could pay to take a boat out there if the current wasn't strong. People would have picnics on the island. But there was no one out today, and no boats in sight. It was a beautiful day and the park was empty, and as I walked along the river it was completely quiet. Until a rock skipped across the water, only just making a sound. Someone was skimming stones. There was a little girl standing on a jetty. I walked up to her slowly. I stood next to her and she turned to me. It was Sophie, and she smiled at me. Her eyes were blank, white, and empty. I felt frightened. I don't know why. She reached out and took my hand. We stood there in silence until a shadow came over us. A man had walked onto the jetty. 
He wore a suit, but he was a total mess. His shirt was out of his trousers, his tie above his collar. He had a suitcase with him. We all looked across the lake. He never said a word or even looked at us. He threw his suitcase in the water. Slowly his other hand rose. There was a jagged rock in it. He stretched out his arm, then hit himself in the head with it. I screamed. He staggered around. He bent forward, but somehow stayed on his feet. Sophie's grip tightened around my hand. Again, she shouted. Half standing, he hit himself right across the temple. He fell down on the jetty and rolled into the river. I woke up with a start, almost jumped off the sofa. I was shocked and shaking and fucking cold still. I tried to calm myself down. It was really early, but I couldn't get back to sleep. I went right upstairs to take a shower. I had to warm up. I wondered if I was sick, like I'd caught a fever or something. That hot water felt really good. I noticed that the water at the bottom of the shower was really dirty. I thought for a second it was the water that was dirty, but it wasn't. It was my feet. My feet were filthy. There was dirt all over them. I didn't get it at the time. I thought maybe there was filth in my shoes or in the socks I was wearing the day before. And maybe I just didn't want to connect it to the dream I'd had. Shiloh heard me in the shower and got up too. She thought it was best to go to Richard's before Kayla was up so she wouldn't insist on coming with us. Just as I was getting ready, I noticed the head was gone. It wasn't on the sideboard where I'd left it. I asked Shyla if she'd moved it. She didn't know. She said maybe Mo had moved it when he got back last night. I didn't want to dwell on it. I could only deal with one fucked up thing at a time. We drove over to Richard's and left the car quietly. We had Kayla's keys, but we knocked on the door first. There was no answer. We unlocked the door slowly and went in. I noticed straight away there was something wrong. The place looked like it had been ransacked. That someone had gone around and trashed it up. There were broken shards of pottery in the hall. I went to see what they were and as I went to pick them up, I could see around the corner towards the bathroom. The head was there. It was half smashed. Now only one side of the head was left. It was placed in the hall and was staring with its one remaining eye into the bathroom. It was me I'd taken it back during the night I must have done. That's why I was so cold and why my feet were filthy. I walked it across town in my knickers and t-shirt, sleepwalked it. I didn't remember a thing, but that must have been what had happened. And when I went to look at the head, I found Richard. He was in the bathroom, down on his knees, head on the floor forehead resting on his hands. He was crouched down with his head between the sink and the toilet, just where they must have found his cousin. He was breathing heavily, and trembling, and sobbing. Me and Shiloh were dumbstruck. Richard, I said to him quietly. She made me do it. His voice was croaky and dry. She made me do it because I was bad. I had to be punished. Made you do what? She said she was giving me one last chance. One last chance to be good. And I promised. And you must never break a promise. She said she'd forgive me if I was good. But I couldn't be good because I'm bad. I'm a naughty boy who does terrible things. What did you do, Richard? 
I was trembling now. Shyla as well. I did it to her, you know I did. They all liked her better than me, everyone did. She came along and nobody cared about me anymore. They loved her. They ignored me, they loved her. They didn't love me. So I ruined a lovely face, he said with a little laugh. I saw her just here and I poured the bleach all over her when she couldn't move. She didn't look so pretty after that. I said sorry. I said sorry so many times, but she never believed me, never believed me. She used to stare at me with those empty eyes and I couldn't stand it. I promised to be good, I promised. She said she'd punish me, like she punished Uncle Bob. But I couldn't be good, I'm bad, so bad I'm rotten inside. Oh my gosh, Annie. Shyla pointed to something on the floor. It was a large, jagged piece of pottery. It had blood all over it. She made me do it, Richard cried. I didn't want to, but she made me. She warned me what would happen, but I couldn't behave. I couldn't be good. I'm so bad, so rotten. He crawled backward and turned himself over. He sat up and looked at us. Shyla screamed. He held out his hands. There was a white splodge drenched in blood in each of them. That was all that was left of his eyes. Blood ran down both his cheeks from where they used to be. His eyelids were red and swollen and twitching. I had it coming. There's no secret anymore. Everyone can see that I'm a monster. Thank you for listening to the New Ghost Stories podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please support the podcast by leaving a review on any platform and subscribing to hear future releases. Today's story features in the book 14 New Ghost Stories, which is available from Amazon, iTunes, and other book retailers. This podcast is written, presented, and produced by David Paul Nixon. If you'd like to read the latest New Ghost Stories, visit my Substack at davidpaulnixon.substack.com. And you can find out more about New Ghost Stories at my website, newghoststories.com. To find out all the latest from me, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at New Ghost Stories. Next time on the New Ghost Stories podcast, there's nowhere to run to and nowhere to hide when your whole home is just a studio flat. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears, so you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So, join us on a real play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy, action, mystery, friendship.